The podcast members of the chamber is presented by Piper Foods and fueled by McCafe. If you're listening in your car, why not stop by one of Piper Foods' five McDonald's locations in Oakville or look them up on any McDelivery service. We thank Piper Foods for their generous support of our chamber and for everything they do in the community. Now let's get started. Welcome, Oakville Chamber members, to Episode 9 of our new podcast, Members of the Chamber. Oakville Chamber members, one story at a time. Members of the Chamber is a podcast. For each episode, we sit down with one member of our Chamber community and have a conversation. A conversation about their individual entrepreneur or professional journey, their job, and how they ended up where they are today. My name is Drew Redden, and I'm the President and CEO of the Oakville Chamber of Commerce. We're broadcasting from the brand new Staples Studio co-working facility located at 320 North Service Road West in Oakville, Ontario. And this is Members of the Chamber. Members of the Chamber is brought to you by the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan. Next to their salary, most employees feel benefit coverage is the most important thing their employer can offer. That's why more than 30,000 business owners choose Chamber Plan. It helps you attract the high-caliber talent you need to be competitive in your industry, and it can help you hold on to them once you find them. Get a free quote at chamberplan.ca or by contacting your local Chamber Plan advisor, which in Oakville is the Hynek Financial Group at 905-319-9999 or at info at hfgb.ca. Joining us today on Members of the Chamber is Graham Hill. Graham is the Executive Director at Food for Life, the leading food rescue and sharing charity, serving Halton and Hamilton. With more than 20 years in the social profit sector, Graham has been a champion of positive change in society and has a strong passion for not letting good, fresh, healthy food go to waste. Graham, we're thrilled to have you on the podcast. Thank you for making the time. Hey, Drew, it's a pleasure. I guess that you sound a little bit more formal in the podcast than you do in person. I like this. I've been practicing my podcast voice. So <laughs> thanks for noticing. Love it. So let's get into food rescue. What does that mean? Uh, it literally means not letting food go to waste. We uh, go out, we visit grocery stores, retailers, wholesalers, uh, producer groups, uh, and we rescue quality surplus food. Um, so this is the food that is uh, prepared but not served. This is the food that is an extra half skid or full skid of product that's coming in and because the supply chain's backing up and there's a truck in the loading dock ready to unload more because this hasn't sold. Uh, And it's the grower that reaches out to us and says, you know what, we've met our contracts with other uh, suppliers and now we have extra produce that we don't want to go to waste or meat or dairy, whatever that is. And they call us and we go and rescue it and then we get it back out into the community to uh, people in need. And so if it wasn't for Food for Life, this food would be? Yeah, you're right. It would be. 
Okay. Uh, we'll leave. Uh, you know, it, it really uh, depends. You know, for uh, a lot of the producers, it would just go right into the garbage. Yeah. Um, if it's a farmer, they may till it under and return it to the earth. Okay. Um, but fundamentally, um, a lot of it would just go to landfill, and that includes not just the food, but all the packaging that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we live in a world where so much food is prepackaged. Uh, we're seeing an increasing amount of healthy food that's packaged, uh, and uh, it's a shame to see it all go to waste and go to landfill and leave those techno fossils for our children's children. Yeah, absolutely. So you have uh, 20 years experience in this space. Um, What led you to choose a career in uh, this sector? Oh, man, you're making me feel old, Drew. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, I kind of fell into the nonprofit sector like most people do in the charity world. Um, And uh, I was in the scuba diving industry before that. Uh, and uh, started working with the Cancer Society. I went back formally to Humber College and did their fundraising program there uh, as a postgrad, and uh, then kind of moved my way through different sectors from a hospice to hospital, and most recently before joining Food for Life, I was at the National Office of Food Banking in Canada, so at Food Banks Canada, Um, and I really wanted to get local again and uh, the opportunity to come to an organization like Food for Life that really does primarily focus on healthy, fresh, good food, um, and also prioritizes having open barrier-free access. So no one needs to qualify. Those were some some parts for me that were just uberly important. So you mentioned scuba diving, and I guess that kind of preempts my next question was going to be, has your whole career been based in Halton? Uh, but where does a scuba diving professional uh, make a paycheck? Yeah, uh, all over the world, I guess. Um, it, it sounds more luxurious than what it was, but um, I grew up in Newmarket, um, went to school in Sudbury. Um, and uh, through that process, uh, was offered a job at Club Med. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone wants to work at Club Med, early 20s, come on, it's amazing. Um, and uh, went down to take some diving lessons, and the, the rest went from there. But that was actually all based in Richmond Hill. Uh, and then um, my wife and I moved down into Toronto, where she works, and uh, that's where we still reside, so right on the border of, of Toronto and uh, Mississauga. Um, so make the commute in. I'm a reverse commuter uh, to, the, uh, to the region of Halton. Yeah, I did the reverse commute for a little bit when I joined the Oakville Chamber, and people used to say, well, you're going against traffic, but uh, as quick to debunk, there's no such thing as going against traffic anymore. Yeah, not in the GTA, not in the GTA. So Food for Life, is that what brought you to Halton? It is, absolutely. Yep, yep, first and foremost. It's uh, just such a a great cause and the way that it supports so many different parts of the community, not just a neighborhood or a community. It supports everywhere, including into uh, Hamilton. So there's a stereotype that Oakville is a wealthy community, and uh, people may think that folks in Oakville may not need the services that you offer. What would you say to this stereotype? Oh, I'd, I'd say it's like anything. You know, it's the NIMBY effect. You know, people don't want to think of an issue in their backyard, whether it's any of the, the really big, serious issues that we deal with every day, whether it's hunger, poverty, uh, human trafficking, um, opioid or alcohol abuse, um, homelessness. Uh, these are not things that that people want to talk about. They're they're not sexy. They're not you know. You're, it's not putting up a new marquee. These are real human issues that we need to deal with. And you know, I would say Oakville's starting to come around. Uh, there's a lot of great advocates in the community for these issues. Um, but really, when you when you look at our numbers of what we're serving, and I'm just going to read them here off our impact report that's on our website. But um, basically in Oakville, we support 32 programs. Um, over $2 million worth of food is rescued and shared in Oakville. Two, two million? Two million. Wow. Two million. And that's a low number because that's, that's taken off a national aggregate kind of food basket number by Nielsen. And we know that most of the stuff we're doing is fresh perishable, which, you know, healthy and it's therefore higher in value. So likely it's closer to three. 
Um, we basically serve just around 4,300 neighbors uh, every month, and uh, we see about 16,000 visits um, to the various food programs that we support. And in community, that supports everything from the local mission um, all the way up to a, a local food bank, to a soup kitchen, um, to what we call fresh food fridges in community, which we'll talk about a little bit later. These numbers are really uh, kind of something when, when you read them off like that. So who do you work with in the community? Where do you do your outreach? How do you know that there's these opportunities to rescue this food and uh, know that there's these people that need this food? It's quite amazing. Um, you know, when I started at Food for Life, I thought, wow, you know, we serve 80 plus programs. Uh, we now serve over 107 just in two years. So we've gone up by 27 programs. Uh, some of those include our fresh food fridges, but um, the need is out there. The The cost of living is rising. Oakville has a high percentage of seniors um, and seniors are on a fixed income. Uh, the cost of housing keeps going up. The cost of food keeps going up about 16% last year. Um, and uh, it's pretty dramatic when you start putting all those pieces together. So uh, we work with longstanding great partners like the Mission down on Kerr Street, um, Oak Park Neighborhood Center. Um, we work with um, uh, Support and Housing Halton. Uh, we work with Art House. We work with Frontline Outreach. Uh, we work with Oak Haven. Uh, and we also have uh, some great partnerships with the libraries in terms of putting in pantries and fresh food fridges as well. Um, so our partnerships are broad uh, in community. Uh, some of those are summer camp-only programs that need help. Uh, and some of them are regular, ongoing, weekly service that we provide to the community. And what's nice about it is about 40%, eh, 40 to 50, depending on the week, of the food that we rescue goes to traditional charities. Um, so these are the ones that are registered charities themselves, where food is part of their programming. The other 50% goes to our neighborhood programs, uh, like just over here on Dorval, just outside the door here of, of, of the podcast room, um, you know, where we offer a, a food program to about 75 families um, uh, that live in the complex there. So the, the scope is varied, um, but there is no shortage of poverty in Oakville, no matter what anyone thinks. Um, and there's no lack of uh, you know, affordable housing. They need more of both. Um, they're certainly in demand. So you're running a not-for-profit here. Yep. Um, you know, and we'd like to call it a social profit. Social profit. But yeah. yeah. But uh, I guess my point is, you know, we always have to remind people that not-for-profits, they're businesses as yep. well. So let's talk about the business side of what you do. Sure. In terms of how are you funded? Do you pay for the food, uh, the logistics between picking up the food? You know, as the more you talk, the more I'm interested in, in that side of, uh, of what you do and how fascinating that must be. Yeah, it is actually. Um, so um, you know, when I say social profit, it really is. That's our output. We our ROI is, you know, watching people be healthier, having more vibrant communities, um, seeing people save uh, for whatever is important for them or reducing that financial stress or family stress. Um, but, uh, yeah, it does take money to, to serve. And um, we rely, we're about a $1.2 to $1.3 million budget, depending on the year. Um, and uh, that funds our fleet of four refrigerated trucks that are specialized for the pickup of food and what we do in delivery. Uh, that funds our team of 12 full-time staff, of which seven are fully committed to rescuing and sharing food. Um, the other ones deal with uh, program impact volunteers, uh, which is important because we rely on more than 1,000 volunteers every single week across Halton to deliver programs. Um, so it's a, a massive um, uh, amount of human capital that goes into that. Um, that's not captured on the balance sheet. Um, but we only receive about 25% of our funding as what I call core funding. So from great supporters like United Way, so any of those companies that support United Way, we receive a portion of that. Um, we receive some funding from the Halton Region Community Investment Fund, uh, which is undergoing some changes, but uh, we receive money from there. And then we receive money from a very generous foundation, the Sprott Foundation. Um, other great corporate partners, uh, Pioneer, 
You can read a bunch of them on our, again, on our impact report, but Pioneer, The Gift of Giving Back, um, the great local food and fun drive. Um, they primarily focus on perishable, on non-perishable foods, so canned goods, peanut butter. Um, that's not our main bailiwick, but we work together to, to do that. Um, and help support that. So we rely on the community, people like you, um, small businesses, um, car dealerships, you know, everybody that you can think of, to right down to this uh, great food drive that happens here, uh, Bank on Bellies, uh, here on Oakville with Georgia, to Appleby College, um, to Sheridan College. Uh, we rely on that funding for about 75% of our support. Well, with a thousand volunteers and these trucks, you're almost like a logistics company as well, eh? Yeah, yeah. Um, logistics and waste management. Um, you know, really, it's just the output that we is is we uh, that we do is really just rescuing that um, rescuing that food and getting it to purposeful means before it ends up in a landfill. So I had the privilege of attending a recent Food for Life event. A dinner was served over 100 guests, and it was all rescued food. Yep, it was incredible. We're talking good, healthy meals, uh, restaurant quality. Why is it so important to offer this service, you know, as opposed to the traditional donations people might associate with food banks, you know, the tuna or the, the beans that you'd find in your cupboard? Yeah, and, and trust me, I'll take tuna and beans as well. Yeah. Um, what, you know, what we, we have a duty, in, in, in our opinion, we have a duty and an obligation to um, help everyone, you know, have access to healthy food. In fact, that's our vision, right, is that everyone has access to healthy food. Um, and it's important because as a society, we, we watch things start to crumble. The healthcare system gets overburdened. Diabetes is on the rise. And yet we're very tempted to reach into the back of our cupboard and scoop out the zoodles, right? Nothing against zoodles, but that's our temptation, right? Um, and a lot of canned goods are really high in salt, um, really high in sugars, um, and they're not necessarily the, the best, healthiest food. They fill a place, uh, a need. But when we have the ability to offer healthy, good, nutritious, fresh food, um, and right now it's just going to waste over 4 million pounds we rescued last year. And to put that in perspective, that's about 90,000 pounds a week um, wow. that we rescued and shared all healthy, good food. You start to see the bigger picture saying, no, wait, everyone can eat healthy. There, there's, there's no barrier to it. Uh, the biggest barrier is just the logistics, right? Is actually just getting it out to people in need at the right time in the right place. So it was during your speech that night that I knew we had to have you on the podcast. Oh, thanks. Well, because you spoke about uh, this community fridges program, a program you're rolling in Oakville. Can you elaborate a bit on what that program is? Sure, absolutely. Um, You know, it's just kind of common sense. We have good, healthy, perishable food. And where do you keep good, healthy, perishable food? Well, at home, we keep it in our fridge. Um, Now, all of the sites that we support, they all have refrigeration on site to monitor and manage the food during the delivery kind of program area. But we know that there are people that won't step across that line who don't want to go to a food program per se. Um, And it happens. You know, we all know people in Oakville or any community that may have a house and may have a front door, but as soon as you open the front door, there isn't much inside, right? So you're you're outer rich, inner poor. Um, And uh, and that's not for a lack of spirit, but it's, it's really just that lack of resources. So we wanted to make a way that would inspire people to step across that line and say, I need help, but here's a first safe step. So at Glen Abbey, we piloted a fresh food fridge where we just kept bags of fresh, healthy, perishable, safe food, uh, potatoes, apples, broccoli, right, that were just in there. And we were going through 35 bags a week. Um, right across the road, we have a program at Merchant's Gate. Um, that is a, an in-house program that they manage with their volunteers. And we're still seeing 35 bags go through. Um, so we're going to be expanding this program. We have conversations, and thanks to a funder here in Oakville, uh, we have three of these fridges up in Georgetown right now um, uh, as part of the Halton Community Housing Program. Uh, and they're in fixed income or low-income, income-tested buildings 
where the seniors told us, listen, I have to choose when I go to the grocery store between buying a bag of potatoes or some yogurt, but they only want one potato. All right. So if we put that in there, then they just go downstairs. They help themselves to a carrot or a potato. It's promoting social isolation in terms of breaking down that barrier and promoting social eating as well. So we're seeing all these ancillary benefits to it. We talk about innovation at the chamber all the time. Innovation is so important to staying relevant. Yeah. But uh, what are some of the other innovative programs you're rolling out or uh, trends you're seeing in your industry? Oh, wow. Um, you know, there's lots of amazing trends. We're not fully there yet. Um, the fresh food fridges, thank you for that. I, I, I mean, it's, I th- look at it as more as just common sense. You put f- food in a fridge. Um, but um, it's innovative from the standpoint that most charities, as you mentioned, are, are cash-strapped. Um, so it's hard to be innovative. Um, and I'd say our biggest way of innovation is reaching actually back out to the people that we serve uh, and asking them what they need. So uh, one of the innovations on that is we're actually doing what we call a food-first program, where what we've done is we've reached out to individuals who had a barrier to accessing traditional programs that were offered in community, um, whether that's because they were skipping a, a shift at work because that's the only time that the food program ran and the food was more important than the hours, um, whether that was an accessibility, that they, there wasn't a program available at a convenient time and day. Uh, and we also wanted to find people that were going to two to three food programs to get their, their needs met. And we invited 40 of these families to come in for us with a, basically about an eight-month pilot. Um, and uh, they come to our warehouse at a time that they choose. They pick up the food that they want uh, in the volumes that they want. Um, and uh, we're seeing some amazing results from people um, who are socially isolated now breaking down that barrier because they didn't want to go to a regular program, um, you know, whether it was a phobia or you know, a mental health condition that prohibited that. Um, we have families that are rebonding together because now they have fresh food in the home and not just macaroni and cheese. Um, you know, and uh, my daughter would laugh at me. She <laughs> loves macaroni and cheese. Hey, Olivia. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's those things where this one family um, he was just about to sign over sole custody uh, of his children to, to his partner. And um, the reason was that the kids couldn't eat macaroni and cheese and canned goods anymore like zoodles. Um, but that's all he could afford on his $40 a week for groceries. Um, so now he comes to us and gets his regular allotment of, of stuff that he chooses and picks out stuff that the kids favorite. So when he has custody of the kids, they want to stay there because they're eating healthy. So Kids know at a young age, right, what, what's good and what's not and what makes them feel good. And we have a duty. We have an obligation. I, I say if you want to talk about innovation, we start looking at ways to inspire the community to look at this as a bigger issue and break down the barriers to make it not stigmatizing when you need to reach out for assistance so that you can walk in and get the help that you need. Because what we don't need is people stepping into that poverty trap, which is, you know, the month runs out. And, and you're sitting there going, how am, I, how am I paying for these last two to three weeks? And, um, and the, the money's gone, but you're working two or three jobs potentially in a household, but it's expensive to live. Instead of taking out the credit card and putting your groceries on it, how can we help people through that process? And maybe it's just one time a year, but if we can stop it, then it, it stops the escalation. So putting this uh, back on to you a little bit, how can Oakville Chamber members get involved with Food for Life? They're listen, listening to this podcast, hearing some of these incredible stories, feeling inspired. Uh, how can our members get involved with your organization? Yeah, no, it would be wonderful. Um, listen, because we, we, we help so many, um, think of us a little bit like the United Way for food, right? Um, you know, it, come on out, get involved, uh, bring two or three people, even if you're a small business. I mean, I've been a sole entrepreneur. It's challenging, but um, we have open sorts on weekends. You know, you can come out and you can mix and mingle. 
Think about hosting your event, even though our main warehouse is in Burlington. Um, we're members of all the chambers in Halton, um, but we have to have a physical location. But we serve in Oakville. We're here every single day, right, six days a week, um, serving all the agencies here. So uh, do a food drive, and not just a traditional food drive. Call us. Come and do a fresh food drive. Do a broccoli drive or an apple drive or a, an orange drive. Um, and trust me, it's pretty inspiring, um, you know, for your customers. Think about making a donation, um, you know, as we talked about earlier, and thanks for asking that question, which was, you know, we're 75% funded from the community. So help us, help us make your communities safer. We all want to live in safe, vibrant communities. And when everyone is eating well and that foundation is done, that's what happens. And then you have customers with more money in their pocket, mm-hmm. right, that may come in and visit your business. And we actually do help that a lot. So if you're a supporter of ours, we then turn around and we'll amplify that on our social channels and encourage our customers and our clients, our neighbors is what we like to call people we serve because that's what they are. Um, we encourage them to go back and support those that support us. So it sounds like very easy for us to get involved. Very easy. <laughs> yeah. It's like that old Michael Jackson song, right? One, two, three. Yeah. <laughs> Graham, if you've been following along the podcast, you know we end every interview with uh, asking our guests, what is the best piece of advice you've received in your uh, career? I can't say eat lobster, can I? No. <laughs> um, wow, that's a, you know, it's funny. It's a loaded one. I, I, I would say that um, two that I received. So one is the expression, my kids will laugh when, when I say this, but one is that um, you don't have to, you get to. And you know, that's a mindset that comes with understanding that life is a privilege and life comes with responsibilities. And uh, you don't have to clean your room. You have the privilege of getting to clean your room um, because you have the privilege of having a house and you have the privilege of someone who has afforded a bed and someone who's afforded the sheets when someone may not have that privilege. So no matter what you're doing, you always have the choice, right, to look at it as whether you have to or whether you get to. Uh, And the other one uh, I'd have to say was a a local gentleman right here, um, uh, Dave Howlett, um, who just lives down in Oakville. I think he's given some presentation here at the Staples as well. But um, Toastmaster guy, lovely guy. Um, but, you know, he talks about the whole concept of being human. Um, and it's something I, that I've always been. Um, but it, there's so much truth to it is don't pretend to be something you're not. Um, know your strengths, know your weaknesses. Um, but more importantly, know that the world is much bigger than you are and you're just you're here to serve. And so how can you make that possible? Well, Graham, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, sitting down with you here in the podcast room at the Stables Studio. Uh, thanks so much for being our guest on Members of the Chamber. No, no, this is awesome. I think you should call this like the Drew Room. This is awesome. <laughs> See if we can get naming rights. Yeah, everyone. I think it'll be good. Members of the Chamber is our podcast where we sit down with a different Oakville Chamber member each episode and have a conversation. To our members and listeners, thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to join us. If you know someone that would make an interesting guest on Members of the Chamber, please send us a note to info at oakvillechamber.com. We'd love to hear from you. Make sure you stay up to date with what's going on in the chamber by following along on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you to our producer and chamber communications manager, Kristen Curry. And last but certainly not least, thank you to the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan and the Heineck Financial Group for supporting this podcast. Thanks so much and talk to you soon, Oakville Chamber. Chamber.